Good morning, Erica. Good morning, listeners. See, it's your turn today. Okay. Good morning, listeners. And good morning, Sean. Boy, I wonder how everyone's going. It could have been a traumatic week. Could have been a very easy week. But here we are nonetheless. And frankly, who can be anything but excited when you read the title of today's episode? <laughs> Erica, tell me about the, the deep excitement that you get when you hear the term straight to the pool room. It means nothing to me. Nothing. <sighs> Australian listeners will join my... Horror? Uh, horrors may be a little strong. <laughs> my my sadness for you, my, my ripped offness for you that you haven't been able to enjoy the castle yet. Listeners, if you can just tell Erica in three words how Australian the castle is. I, I don't hear anything. You didn't hear that? <laughs> Maybe that's your... Do you believe in fairies? Do you clap when people say they don't believe in fairies just so that fairies don't die? What? You haven't watched Peter Pan? I read Peter Pan. I, d- I don't... I was, I was part of a stage show of, of Peter Pan when I was a kid. So that just stuck in my mind. It, you it have to clap when people say they don't believe in fairies. Yeah, because whenever somebody says they don't believe in fairies, a fairy dies. That's But if you horrible. clap your hands, they don't die. What are we talking about? I do not know. <clears throat> wow. We are talking about going straight to the pool room, which is another way. We really want to tackle the, the concept of resilience today because we are seeing a lot of people struggling and the concept of resilience is important. And as we were thinking about this, this thing came to mind. So I lived in Japan, right? And when we moved to Japan, Yvonne was part of this Japan exchange and teaching program and I was on the wait list for it because she's cooler than I am and she got it before I did. So she was off in her fancy hotel paid for by, you know, the the education department being trained and (laughs) onboarded and I was in this tiny little cubicle in some other part of Tokyo and I'm there the first night in Japan on a turn on the TV and there is this completely whacked out Japanese game show. Have you ever watched any Japanese game shows? No. They're like the nutsest thing you have ever seen. So this one was just my favourite thing ever. It was these young Japanese men in Speedos lying in baths filled with ice water with like ice all through it and they were given big one litre Stein beer mugs and they had to drink one beer, like a litre beer. I think it was every five minutes. So they had to drink the beer and it was the first one to not pee was the winner. Uh, and so there they, there they are, lying in these icy cold bathtubs, drinking all this beer, going, oh, making all these fantastic Japanese noises, which were all foreign to me at that point, trying not to pee. And there was this toilet and they were saying, you know, they weren't saying because it was in Japanese, but there were subtitles, thankfully. And it was saying, you know, if they run to the toilet, that's their trip straight back home and they're out of the competition. And I was watching these guys drinking this beer, struggling to, to not go to the toilet when that was inevitable. And it was, it was going to happen, but they had to try and put it off for as long as they could. And I thought, where have I landed? <laughs> what is wrong with this country? But it, it's a lovely tradition of taking themselves very not seriously in some parts and very seriously in other parts. But the reason that that came to me, beside the obvious fact that it's fantastic, is... <laughs> Clearly. Is that we all have this breaking point, right? And when you're lying in an icy cold bathtub drinking beer, trying not to go to the toilet, it's inevitable that at some point you're going to have to go, right? It, it makes perfect sense. And you get that there's only so long you can do this before it has to stop, yeah? This is amazing to <laughs> me. <laughs> the way that you're going to bring this back is magic. But here's the thing. In normal life, I feel like we have 
that same breaking point. But it's just not obvious. And while the Japanese beer drinkers know inevitably that it's leading towards a point where, where it will have to stop or they will explode, we don't see that for ourselves. And we, you know, the old adage of, of the frog in the, the cold water that's slowly heated up, they don't feel it getting hotter and hotter. Here we are in our lives and things are getting more and more taxing and we are getting pushed closer and closer to the edge. But we think we can just do this indefinitely, Erica. We think that we can just keep going and there isn't going to be a point where we have to jump out the ice-cold bath and go to the toilet because we think we can, we can just do this and we're okay and it's not going to reach the point where it gets too much for us to handle. That's amazing. That was, that w- was incredible both for two reasons. The first is because I, when you started that story, I had no <laughs> clue where you were going with it. And the second is that was a really good point, Sean. You seem surprised. <laughs> I, I'm... It was that was you're right, you're right. And not that I'm surprised, but you're right that incremental change is is so much harder for us to appreciate and to see. And suddenly, then you look back and you think, "How did I get here? Mm. How did we get here?" Mm. And I feel like that's probably where many of us are getting close to, is feeling as if we are either at our limit or nearing our limit. And that has brought our conversation around to resilience. Mm. But before we get to the resilience word, I, th- I think for me personally, it's really interesting for me to look back through my life at just how 10 foot tall and bulletproof I have felt emotionally. Because Erica, I was a psychologist for a decade. I was the guy that fixed other people. And then I was the chaplain. I was the guy that fixed other people. So for 20 odd years, my professional identity was being the one who fixed other people and being the one who understood emotions and helped other people through it. And then I went through a horrendous period of 18 months where I was under so much pressure with things going very horribly wrong in in a work situation and it was all on my shoulders. And I thought I was doing okay and I thought I can carry this and I'm going to be the hero until one morning... I remember very vividly waking up in the fetal position in my bed and thinking, I can't get out of bed. I can't do this. I have got nothing left to give. And I'm scared because I've never been here before and I, I don't know what to do because I'm free-falling over the edge of the cliff. And I think all that time I was walking toward the edge of the cliff, but I didn't think the cliff had an edge. And I thought I could just keep going forever until it was too late and I looked back. And I was done. I was free-falling and I was no good to anyone. And I had to stop and I had to, to start to look after myself to try and drag myself back into a place of function. But I had no idea it was coming. No, no insight at all. <laughs> Which scares me. Because I look around at so many of our beloved colleagues who are doing it really tough and push themselves. I mean, we've had a number of conversations this morning as we were getting a drink. People are really stretched. And I feel as though we have no clue where the edge is for ourselves and we've just been pushed toward it without any notion of when it is that we're going to wake up in the fetal position wondering how we ended up over the edge of the cliff without realising it. Hmm. So we all have a breaking point. We can't change that. No matter how tough we think we are, we all have a point at which... you know. I remember reading this book about the CIA because I'm a boy and I read stupid books like that. <laughs> but they do the interrogation training in the CIA training process and... All of the trainees are always gutted that they broke. Mm. And the trainer's reflection to them is, oh, everyone breaks. It's just a matter of how long you can withstand it before you do break. 
So there's there's no shame in the breaking. It's the how long can you put up with it before you reach the inevitable human point where you break. And perhaps the thing that gives us the biggest buffer to know how far we can be pushed before we break is this concept of resilience. What even is resilience, Erica? So when we started talking about this, I was explaining, or I think recounting to you that I feel like resilience has been a common theme in my life recently. I feel like I've been spending a lot of time thinking about it and talking about it in various contexts. Comes up a lot with kids, Mm. because if there's one thing that I wish that I could impart to my children, that would be it. The gift of resilience. And I think about it in terms of myself and in terms of work, and then we look at our colleagues and we're talking about difficult conversations and... And so I looked it up, Mm. and I think one of the first definitions that comes up is the ability of something to spring back into shape. Ha, after being squashed. (laughs) Yeah. The example was nylon, which seems like a strange reference to me. The only reason I remember that is because I suggested, I think, that we entitle the talk Nylon, this episode (laughs) Which is a really catchy title. (laughs) (laughs) But shockingly, instead, you went with Straight to the Pool Room. And after you've seen The Castle, (laughs) you'll get it. You'll get it. And we'll get to why on earth that's the title in a sec. But I think that there's also, in part of resilience, is the ability to see the best of everything. Okay. On Ella's wall, it's my daughter's wall, she has this... It's kind of papered with quotes. Mm. And when we speak about resilience, the one that I continue to come back to or the one that pops into my mind is the quote on her wall that says, what matters is not how many times you fall, but rather how many times you get back up. What you really hope for your children is one more time than they've fallen. Mm. (laughs) Right. Which comes from a belief in yourself, right? Mm. This concept of the voice on your shoulder that says, you got this. Mm. I guess my question is, where does that voice come from? Because as I've been reading about resilience, there seems to be these two opposing... Are they opposing? These two theories. One is that resilience is something that is internal to you, and the other is that resilience is something that is gifted to you from outside of yourself. And the reason we've called it straight to the pool room is... (laughs) When you watch The Castle, you will meet this wonderful man named Daryl Kerrigan. He's not real, but we just wish he was. He's this guy who doesn't matter what happens in his life, he seems to be able to, as you said, see the best in everything. And he's got kids who are anything but high achievers. They are very low achievers. But he is so encouraging and sees what they do as incredible. You know, his son, he says over the dinner table, what did you do today, son? He says, I dug a hole. And he says, good on you, mate. You know, and he celebrates the fact that his son dug a hole. And his wife produces the most mediocre meals of all time. Um, you know, it's, it's, oh, love, what do you call this? It's just meatloaf, love. Oh, but it's what you've done with it. And, you know, serves dessert. What do you call this? It's just ice cream straight from the tub. Oh, but it's what you've done with it. <laughs> and if his kids bring home something really, I don't know, you know, our kids bring home ugly things that we're excited about. Whenever they bring something home and they give it to him, he goes, oh, would you look at that? Isn't it beautiful? That's going straight to the pool room. And that's the highest form of praise. And he takes it to their room with their wonky billiards table and he puts it on the shelf. And that is the place of honour. And it doesn't matter what they bring him. He is so filled with excitement by this that it goes straight to the pool room. And here's this person who's this parody of someone who is so filled with this internal sense of resilience that no matter what happens he sees the best in it is that something that just resides within us 
Is it something that comes from the world around us? Is seeing the best in everything, is that what makes us resilient? I think potentially, yeah, absolutely. I guess the question for people as we are stuck in the situation where the world around us is pushing us toward this breaking point and we're trying to not reach the breaking point, right? It's the ongoing tug of war. How can we attempt to increase our buffer? How can we attempt to bounce back to shape for longer? How do we build that resilience for ourselves? Because if it's, if it's internal, then there are things we can do. Like you can read a thousand different articles about what do we do to build your sense of resilience. Mm. Things like fostering your own wellness, you know, sleeping, eating right, exercising, doing the things that you love. Things like our very early episode about feel what you feel. Just accept the emotions that you feel rather than judging the emotions mm. that you feel. Building connections with people around you, people who care for you, people who you love. Not isolating yourself, but, but spending time with those people. And not just sitting on your feelings, but actually sharing what's going on inside of you. All of these are really simple things that we can do that all the research shows will build our resilience. So certainly those are internal things, right? Mm. There are ways that we can control that. Mm -hmm. But you're saying that there's a counter-argument to that or that there's a counterpoint to that, that potentially it doesn't all come from inside? One of my heroes is a man by the name of Graham Long, who I've told you about, and you've watched one of his presentations. But something that he shared that really challenged me was resilience is not something that comes from within you. Resilience is gifted to you from the world around you if you are open to it and he tells a story about really struggling and being late for a meeting and having nothing left inside and feeling frazzled and at his end and he tried to brush past somebody with they wouldn't let him brush past them and they kept on moving in front of him and it was only when he had to stop and look them in the face that they then shared something with him which was actually exactly what he needed to hear at that point and re-centred him and gifted him with this perspective and this, this sense of resilience. And his reflection was, there are these gifts of resilience from the world around us that are gifted to us every day, but are we in a space that we're able to be present to the gifts that are coming to us, be present in the interactions in which that kind person says that kind thing to us? I very much believe that the universe does give us what we need in that moment and that often we're not able to be receptive to it. But the magic of the world is that you will continue to get that gift until you're ready to accept it. And it sounds as if that's something similar to, to what Graham Long is saying, you know, mm. that you will have the opportunity, the universe will give you the opportunity to practice your resilience over and over again. And it's a question about being present and seeing it when it's given to you. Mm. And I love the notion of getting in the way because we always think getting out of the way, but how do I get in the way of that gift coming to me? Mm. I've got to go out of my way to put myself into situations where I can interact with people I care about. I've got to put myself in the way of healthy choices that are actually going to validate me and lift me up and fulfill me rather than getting out of the way of those things and standing to the side as they go past through busyness, through a lack of confidence through whatever it is that motivates us to, to step away from the stuff that we know is going to be good for us and that's going to build us up. So then the question hangs poignantly in the air. Dear listeners, what is it for you that is going to build up your resilience? What is in your life? What are the relationships? What are the spaces that are going to fill you, that are going to edify you, 
that are going to give you more of that buffer. And hopefully, my wish for everyone is that you never have to wake up realising that it's too late. So Erica, I know that you have a challenging role and so I wish for you that you can be in that space and that your buffer is going to be enough and that as the pressures build to you and, and all those precious people around us who do the work that they do, that yeah, we can find that resilience to keep on going and be our best selves and make the difference that we make.